Yes. If you're like me, then you're no doubt a big fan of this podcast, the Pope on Film America's podcast really i mean who isn't a big fan but only real fans of the show true hardcore fans uh, would know two things about us two fundamental and totally real real facts about the both of us america's hottest podcasting couple bunny and steve first and foremost the first not made up on the spot totally real fact about you bunny is that when you are not recording the podcast, you manually masturbate caged animals at zoos for artificial insemination, which I think is very honorable of you. So, Bunny, how did you get started in this profession? Uh, It was was my deep, deep devotion and admiration of actor Raymond Milan. Uh, nice. And and I wanted to follow in his footsteps. I thought I could become an actor the way he did uh, by That's starting where he started yeah. by masturbating horses. It's like the Muppet movie. Where are you headed? I'm going to Bombay, India to become a movie star. Yeah. So you don't go to Bombay. You go where we're going, Hollywood. Yeah, sure. If you want to do it the easy way. <laughs> so that's that's how I broke into the animal masturbation field uh, because I thought it would lead to an acting career. Uh, nice. Let me tell you, char- you got to charge extra for Ducks. Okay. Mm. Have yeah. you ever masturbated a duck? <laughs> well, not this year because of COVID restrictions, obviously, but you know. Oh, okay. Yeah, I gotcha. Yeah. Uh, I'm out. <laughs> and the second thing that you would know about me is that I'm a lover of history. I love it. But I'm also a storyteller. So what I like to do is I like to take a story from the history books, maybe one that people don't know too well, and reword it via my own unique razzmatazz. And that's what this is, another educationally uneducational installment of Steve's Historic Approximations! Those of you who aren't watching this on Facebook, Facebook and you should you should go to Facebook and search the Pope on film when he is still cracking the fuck up. Uh, Steve's historic approximations or SHAP as I like to call it repeatedly, annoyingly, whether anyone wants me to or not. Personally, I like the name SHAP. It's short, but it's full of wisdom. It's the abuela of podcast segments. Anywho, this week on the old Shappity SHAP SHAP, we have the fun, true short story of a beetle and a director. Bunny, let's talk about John Landis. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. I I just finally watched Schlock for the first time. I just downloaded that. I just downloaded that yesterday. Fascinating. Uh Nice. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. I just put it on my hard drive so I could watch it on the TV. Yeah, just downloaded Schlock. I, I, 
it's not good. But Fun it's fact not about that bad. movie. He made the movie and then he couldn't get a distributor because no one wanted to touch it because it was supposedly crap. But then, like, the movie was getting passed around to places and then. Uh, fucking uh, Johnny Carson got a copy of it and he yeah. watched it and he's like, I love this movie. Who made this? John Landis. Who's that? I don't fucking know. I'm going to have him on the show. So we invited John Landis on the show and and he's like, what's your name? John Landis. You made this movie. It's called Schlock. Let's show some clips. And so the movie got picked up solely because of uh, fucking Johnny Carson. Yeah. Of all people, Johnny Carson started John Landis's career. That's freaking weird. Yeah, some parts were some parts were really pretty funny, and some yeah. parts were really interesting. I mean, it the ape sat down and played a piano. That's <laughs> I find yeah. that funny, you know. But then other parts were just bad. Yeah, you know, it reminds it, it. It it sounds like that that what the way you're describing it reminds me of King Kung Fu. King Kung Fu. Okay. Yes, it's about a, a gorilla that knows kung fu that terrorizes the city of Wichita, Kansas. There's like an entire musical number about how great Wichita, Kansas is. <laughs> and, then there's like, and then there's like the army guy the entire time is doing a really bad John Wayne impression. And it's just, it's the stupidest movie that I would occasionally see some UHF station when I was a kid. And I haven't seen it since I was like 12. Yeah. But that's what schlock sounds like to me, is just someone remade. Some, this is King Kung Fu before King Kung Fu was King Kung Fu. It, there's, it like a- there's kind of a plot, and the plot is sort of a wraparound. The, the story is kind of made of a bunch of strung-up bits. Yeah. You know? Basically, some of the some of the bits are really funny. Some of them really suck, like the groove tube, frankly. Yeah, I downloaded it because I figured I'd like it because it seems to be the a parody of those type of movies, like I don't know, Mighty Joe Young, Mighty P King Man, uh, fucking Trog. Yeah, Trog. Uh huh. Those sort of things. So yeah, how weird that you just downloaded that. That you just got it, and I just got it, yeah. and John Landis. Okay, so so the legendary. So we're talking John Landis, the legendary director who made the Kentucky Fried movie, Animal yes. House, The Blues Brothers, then killed three people, and yet was still allowed to make Coming to America. Yes. How do you pull that off? How do you do that? How do you have a ridiculously successful directorial career? Then you kill Vic Morrow and two underage Chinese children, and then still go on to make three amigos. Yes. How the fuck do you do that? And if uh, you don't mind, if you don't mind me taking a moment here, go for it. But ah. fuck calling John Landis a master of horror. Oh yeah! You just heard his fucking his catalog. It's all comedy. 
I, I, I went looking. He I, made American Werewolf in London and the Twilight Zone, I guess. And that that's what yeah, other horror looking, shops does he have? Yeah, I went looking for a John Landis background and I found one where like, he's like holding a skull and it's like, John Landis, the master of horror. I'm like, fuck you. Yeah. With your master of horror shit. I imagine that in court, when the Twilight Zone movie accident happened and Vic Morrow was decapitated in an accident along with two underage children whom he shouldn't have been using in the first place. I imagine that in court, John Landis said, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, if you send me to jail, the world will forever be deprived of Tom Arnold's The Stupids. (laughs) Sylvester Stallone's Oscar and the Pulitzer Prize-winning genius of Blues Brothers 2000. (laughs) And the jury said, wait, Sylvester Stallone's Oscar based on the 1967 French comedy of the same name? And then that was it. Like, they just (laughs) let him. So what's a few decapitated Chinese children anyway? And they just let him walk. So John Landis, a lot of his films are homages yeah, because John Landis loves movies, so a lot of his films are just like a like an expensive homage to movies that he likes. His first film, Schlock, is a tribute to monster movies, and it was distributed by our man Jack H. Harris. Yes, who released the original Blob, as well as one of my personal favorite worst movies of all time, APE, aka Attack of the Giant of the Horny Gorilla. Yes. So Schlock was and attributed. Forrest Ackerman made an appearance. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So Schlock was a tribute to old school monster movies. The Kentucky Fried movie was a tribute to subversive sketch comedy of the time, like National Lampoon and Monty Python and SNL. The Blues Brothers is essentially a musical. Yes. But I think that people who call themselves Blues Brothers fans would like to not admit that. But it's a it's a musical. It's a musical. <laughs> it's a musical. Um, Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy's film Trading Places is an 80s Wall Street version of The Prince of the Popper. Three Amigos, old silent films. And I never saw this because I was I was going through his catalog. John Landis is over. Yeah. But apparently. In 1985, he did a Hitchcock homage comedy called Into the Night. Yeah. I've never seen it, but uh, finally, the Jeff Goldblum, Dan Aykroyd, David Bowie film that we all wanted. Hooray. (laughs) So long story short, John Landis loves homages. And in the mid-1980s, he had an idea for a new homage. And this was his idea. Okay, I'm John Landis. I got a new idea for a movie. Hear me out. Road movies. In the day, Bing Crosby and Bob Hope on the road to some fucking place. They made a ton of those. They were all successful. Road to Singapore, Road to Morocco, Road to Rio, Road to Tucson, Arizona, and my favorite, Road to Halsingland, Sweden. The scene where Bob Hope is put inside the bear and then put into the Pyramid is just one of my all-time favorite scenes of all time of cinema. And funny. 
funny as shit. Yeah. So the original plan was to have this road movie star Dan Aykroyd and Dave Thomas of SCTV fame. And as far as I can tell, it was like, Dave, you're a comedy master. We're so happy to have you on this movie. You're going to be great with Dan Aykroyd. And holy shit, we can get Chevy Chase? Really? He's free? Fuck you, Dave Thomas. We're getting Chevy Chase. No one knows who the fuck you are. We're getting Chevy Chase. So the movie in question is 1985's Spies Like Us. And I remember seeing it in theaters when I was a kid. And that is the extent of my recollection of Spies Like Us. Yeah. Hooray. I think I think it has the notable, notable uh, the footnote that I think this is the movie where Dan Aykroyd met Donna Dixon. Oh, yeah. I think so. Yeah. I think so. In my mind, the most memorable thing about Spies Like Us is the fact that Family Guy reenacted the entire movie in an episode. <laughs> that that uh, the Griffin family has new neighbors and it's Chevy Chase and Dan Aykroyd and they got them to do the voices and they're like, you got us, Stewie and if Brian. We're not actually actors. We're spies. Do you want to join us? Do you want to be spies like us? And they reenact the entire movie and it's... it's uh, but still, uh, Spies Like Us, not the most memorable 1980s comedy film. Yeah. Of all time. But it is the site of a hilarious story concerning a famous musician. So here's the story. Okay. Apparently, Paul McCartney was a huge fucking John Landis fan. Okay. Paul McCartney loved John Landis. He 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 was a big fan well, of Well, whoa, 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 whoa. Does does the Michael Jackson tie in? Oh, yeah, the Michael Jackson tie-in, too, because they were making music at the time, probably. Uh, Michael Jackson and Paul McCartney. Yeah. See you next Wednesday. Yeah. So so Paul McCartney was a huge John Landis fan. He was a big fan of all of the movies you're supposed to like when you say you're a John Landis fan. Yeah. So... When 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 people say, oh, I'm a huge John Landis fan, what you're not supposed to say is, oh, so you're a big fan of Into the Night? <laughs> no, you're supposed to say, okay, American Werewolf in London, Animal House, yada, yada, yada. So uh, Paul McCartney personally gets a hold of John Landis, and he's like, hello, John, it's me, Paul. <laughs> This is my Paul McCartney accent, don't you know, by Cracky O. So I'm a huge fan of yours, huge fan, big fan of all of your films. I hear you're doing another movie, Spies Like Us. It sounds really fab and gear and other British (laughs) slang from the 60s. So Paul McCartney wants to be a part of John Landis's next movie, and he's such a big fan that he's willing to do it for free. Okay. Okay. Just for the honor of being in his favorite in a movie that his favorite director is making. So Paul McCartney, you're doing a movie, spies like us. How about this? I'll do the theme song for you. I'll even do it free of charge because I'm and and I'm gonna okay. write your song. And if a member of the Beatles offers to write a song for free for your movie, then of course you're going to say yes, right? 
Yes. Oh, fuck so yeah. Wings, his band, they retreat to the studio to work hard on a theme song. And they work day and night, working nonstop to make a theme song for John Landis's Spies Like Us. And then finally... He's done, and he comes out of the studio, and he's like, I have done. I am done with the song. It's called Spies Like Us, and he's all proud. He goes to John Landis. I'm done with the song. You're really going to like it. It's really good. It's called Spies Like Us, and it's going to be amazing, and you're going to love it. So John Landis, he sits down. He hears the song. It's a piece of shit. <laughs> it is a horrible fucking song. And it, because I'm a professional, I'm writing this story and I'm like, I saw Spies Like Us. I don't remember a goddamn theme song. So I look it up. Yeah. The video features uh, Paul McCartney, Dan Aykroyd, Chevy Chase at Abbey Road Studios. And they're playing instruments and they're singing the theme song. And a uh, fun fact the BBC banned the video. Okay. There was this weird uh, labor rule that Britain had in the rule books, which prohibited non-musicians from performing instruments in music videos. Okay. The BBC couldn't show Paul McCartney's video for whatever fucking reason. I don't understand that. But um, so I, I found the video to Paul McCartney's Spies Like Us and I listened to it. It's so fucking bad. It is so bad. Paul McCartney's theme song. It is laughably bad. So John Landis was all excited, like, hey, a Beatles writing the theme song to my movie. He hears the song and he's like, oh, this is fucking horrible. So he just threw it at the end credits of the movie. He was going to feature it in the movie because like, hey, Paul McCartney's writing a free song for me, but it was shit. So he's like, fuck it. Let's just shove it to the end credits Yeah, as far back as we can go. It is utter garbage but apparently it did well on 80s radio it hit number seven on the billboard singles charts and that was paul mccartney's last top 10 hit until 2015 (laughs) and you might be thinking to yourself wow it's amazing that paul mccartney didn't do any music between 1985 and 2015 oh he did And it says a lot about the music that he made between 1985 and 2015 that his last hit was the shitty theme to Spies Like Us. Yeah. It says a lot about Paul McCartney's music from the 80s and 90s and zeros. But I just love I just love this story that Paul McCartney wrote a song for free for John Landis's film and it was shit. Yeah. It's it, it seems to me like Sometimes creative people really just need each other because Paul McCartney was, was never as good as he was when he was with the Beatles and neither was John Lennon. Yeah. You know, I mean, they did some interesting work after, but it was not nearly the same. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. 100%. And then if you see a band break up and 
like shoots away from the rest of them. Sting would be yeah. a good example. Somebody like Sting. yes. Well, there's when the somebody- band breaks up to to tie another episode to this episode. When a band breaks up, usually there's a Shawn Michaels and everyone else is a Marty Jannetty. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The the what's the name of uh, no doubt what, what's the name what's the name no doubt no doubt what's her name space shorts hold on I'm getting there uh, Gwen Stefani the Gwen Stefani okay that's how I remembered her name by singing space pants my friend Gwen Stefani is wearing space shorts. How weird. The Gwen Stefani from No Doubt would want to beat up who Gwen Stefani is now. <laughs> yeah. But Gwen Stefani was the Shawn Michaels and the rest of the band are Marty Janet. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That usually but, happens. But Simon and Garfunkel they went more the Beatles way. Yeah. But when the band stays together, they're all Shawn Michaels. Yeah. When they break up, there's one Shawn Michaels and the rest are Marty Janet. Yeah. Yeah, like the police were a huge band. And then they break up and it's like, I don't know what the fuck the bass player of the police is doing. <laughs> I know what Sting's doing. Sting is heading to uh, Peru because he's writing music for a new musical called Kingdom of the Sun. I'm tying everything together. (laughs) This is the Avengers Endgame episode of the Pope on Film. Everything's coming back. Yes. Very excited. Tying everything together. All the loose ends. This is the season finale. So are we going to get to where John Landis directed Wolf Cop? Possibly. Possibly. (laughs) So that's it for the... I saw a great meme of... um, uh, God damn it. What was that movie? What was that movie? And the guy is uh, like... future kung fury i saw a great kung, kung fury, fury meme the other day yeah and it was a uh, kung fury and he's like what year is this and the post-apocalyptic woman says it's 2020 and kung fury says huh that explains the laser raptors <laughs> and it's like thank you for for bringing people to kung fury yes. people haven't talked about that film for quite some time tie in together everything Everything, all the loose ends. So that's it for Steve's historic approximations this week. Next week, I'm not sure what we're going to be talking about because it hasn't magically fallen on my lap yet, but we'll figure it out eventually. So join us next time for more educationally uneducational fun with Steve's historic approximations. And cut on that.